The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back and thanks for joining us again for another episode as we look into God's Word and evaluate this book that we've been going through, the book of Jonah. Uh, we glad you're with us. If you're following along in Scripture, uh, we're going to be in uh, kind of the end, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, we're going to jump in maybe the beginning of chapter 2. Uh, I want to do something in this one that I think is important. We've done this a couple of times as we've walked through this book, is give a little bit of a preface of where we're going to go with this. I've mentioned in the past a lot of times uh, people have a unique view of the story of Jonah as kind of an angry God, and yet I, I very much view this entire premise as a gracious, magnificent God. So what we're going to see here in a moment, one of the things we see running through this entire narrative, this entire story, is you see a man, a prophet who'd been called of God, who had been following God, that for whatever reason had a massive hatred for Nineveh, an unwillingness in his mind to do what God asked him to do because he just did not like the outcome. He did not like the idea of Nineveh being freed from their sins or being given the revival that God wanted to bring to them. He just didn't have that. And, and it's a fact. As humans, it's easy for us to look and say, God, it's not fair that you're offering a certain group grace and things. We, we all want it, but it's easy to do that. It's, it's somewhat human nature. But I think one of the things when I glance at this and I see, today we're going to look at this idea of repentance. We're going to look at this idea that really what you have in the story of Jonah is you have a rebellious preacher. It's really what you have. And as he's running... The world says, let him go. That's just, that's, that's humanistic thinking. God has the proper plan, the right direction. He's given him instruction. And we are to be submissive to God. We are be, to be submissive to our Heavenly Father. And I will say that is not a culturally acceptable thought. Uh, everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes, which is very typical to the days of Noah, very typical today, um, where everybody just wants to do what's right. Everybody else should get out of the way if it doesn't hurt you. And if I want to do it, it should be fine. But the fact is there is truth. And it's not my truth, it's not the world's truth, it is the truth of Scripture, it is the truth of God. There is a heaven, there is a hell, there is God, there is Satan. God has created us and we are accountable to him. You say, I don't believe in him, I don't want to do that. Ultimately, you still are anyway because you were created by him and then unfortunately you end up in a place called hell uh, by not wanting just to submit to what God's doing because God's got your best and you follow Satan and he just wants to ruin your life. So when we look at this, one of the most loving things a person can do when they're seeing someone living in rebellion is finding a loving way to get them back. You'd see this. If you let your or five, six, seven-year-old kid just continue to rebel and just continue to do whatever they want. You may look back and say, well, my parents were hard. I'm not going to do that. Well, the fact is failure to direct your child is abuse. And now please understand, I love it when God talks about the idea in Scripture that when he's correcting us, he's correcting and he's, and he's disciplining us, the Bible says. He's not punishing. That's just the idea. A discipline is a loving correction that points someone from the wrong direction and sends them in the correct direction. That's discipline. That's correction. Uh, it's not like punishment. I'm just going to you know, make you feel miserable for what you're doing. And that's what Jesus does. He disciplines us. He corrects us. He puts us. And anybody who has anybody under their authority and you love them, you will correct. You will help them because that's how, be that's how they thrive. That's how they become better. And that's what we're seeing here. So let's evaluate a little bit of this passage. We'll just go a few verses and look at it. We'll pick up and kind of finish up the thought uh, next time. So he says in Jonah chapter.
chapter 1, the very end. Um, now, we know that he just got thrown into the sea. He just got thrown into the water. Uh, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So let's take a couple minutes and unpack that. The first thing you have to look at, it was the Lord who appointed this. So it's intriguing that the ocean obeyed God, the wind obeyed God, the fish obeyed God, but the preacher was not ready to obey God. And we do see that. We see that all of this was God driving something, and he just fought them. He fought them. He fought God immensely, and he knew everything. He knew everything was taking place was God trying to pull him back. And frankly, he goes, I'd rather die than deal with this. And as a matter of fact, we see that the Lord appointed a great fish. Now, there's a, there's a debate. Is it a fish? Is it a whale? Um, some translations, a couple of them. If you go up to Matthew, it references as Jonah was in the belly of the, uh, the whale for three days, depending on what translation you're looking at. Um, there is story, I've seen stories of other people who've been swallowed by whales, and then when they cut the whale open, there was a human in there. Um, there's not a whole lot of fishes big enough to do this. Uh, honestly, I think if you spend a lot of time focusing on what kind of fish it was, I think you missed the entire premise of what's going on. People say, whale's a mammal, not a fish. You could really get too far into this. The point is, there was a large fish, whether it was a whale or some other fish that fish obeyed and then here's the thing I want us to see though Jonah was in the belly of this fish three days and three nights now the first thing you have to see is you go back to Matthew you're going to see this as Jonah was in uh, the belly of the fish or the whale for three days so Jesus will be in the belly of the earth right so the premise is this is a picture of what Jesus will one day do for us, that he will one day go three days and three nights in the grave. His body will go in the grave. Now, there's a lot of things he, Jesus, did uh, while his body was in the grave, uh, which we won't get into right now. But um, in this case, it's a picture. It's a, it's a forelook of what would happen. It's a picture of Christ. And, but he's in that for three days and three nights. Here's the thing that grabs my attention in this, though. This, this scenario, and I find it intriguing that this is a picture of what Jesus would do, but yeah, what you see here is rebellion. And that, and that wasn't definitely Jesus. He was there because of submission. But the thing that intrigues me is it took him three days and three nights in one of the worst conditions you can imagine being in before God, before he would finally repent. Now, please understand, it's intriguing that he's in the bottom of the ocean. He's gone as low as he can, and he's in the one spot where he's still getting oxygen. I've always found that intriguing. He's in the belly of a fish, but he's in the one spot where he can still breathe. You know, I've always found that intriguing. Uh, but one man said, and, and it's an interesting thought, if you look at this in Scripture, when he said no to God, he went down to Joppa to, for the ship, and then he was get a ship to go down to Tarshish. Uh, then he went down to the side of the ship to go to sleep, and then when he was thrown in the water, he went down the water, down to the belly, down to the bottom of the uh, sea. And I think there's some legitimate point to say that every time we decide to rebel against God, it only drives us down. We think we're getting freedom. We think we're doing right, or we're upset because God didn't do what we want. But the fact is, it's driving us down a direction. It's only driving us down. I've watched people who have used circumstances or whatever to say, you know, they're mad at God, and it's only driven them down. So what we see here, God will use circumstances in your life to bring you back. It's not angry. It's not punishment. It's not how dare you. It is loving. Now, you go back to the story of the prodigal son. Think about all the things. He'd spent his money. He wasted it. Now he's sitting in a pigsty, the worst place a Hebrew boy could be, feeding, not only feeding the pigs, but eating. And that they just ate the leftovers from the humans. And so that's how low this Hebrew son had gotten. And so the Bible finally says something along the ideas that he came to himself. He could not go home to the father who is a picture of God the Father in the story of the prodigal son. He could not go home until he had made a decision 
that his actions are wrong. He came to himself and he was willing to admit and what we call repent. Repent is literally agreeing with God, turning and making a change, making a correction. That is the premise of the word we use for repent, where we're not just acknowledging, okay, we, we turn and we are having a change. We're changing from one direction to another until he was willing to do that, it could not go home. And so Jonah was willing to repent. I am wrong, God is right, and I need to make changes. He was gonna stay there and he was willing to die in this fish and it took him three days to get to that point. And I guess it's one of the things I want to say. We'll look, we'll get into chapter two tomorrow, and we'll look down at his confession and his repentance and what we can pull from it. But let me challenge you, as circumstances in your life, sometimes a circumstance in your life is God's pruning. Uh, it's the trials and tribulations that we see in James where he says, kind of joy when you find yourself in these tribulations and trials, because um, God's working. Sometimes that's it. Sometimes it's Satan. Sometimes it's God using circumstances to get our attention because we're headed the wrong direction. He knows that bringing back, getting us back and walking with him is the great, great place of fulfillment, blessing, and joy. Outside of that, we are empty and hurt and lonely. If you find yourself there, sometimes Satan wants you to, well, blame God. If God loved you, what would you be here? But that's not true. Satan's the one that is driven you to the place where you are. If you're not walking with God, may we see our eyes looking the wrong direction. We look back to Jesus and not and see him as he is a loving, magnificent God that is graciously using circumstances in our life to pull us back to him so that we can be in a place of joy and fulfillment and happiness because that is the place where we can be. Outside of Jesus, you're just finding emptiness and may that, may that be that circumstance. I hope that's a help. I know sometimes when we get in the idea of repentance and turning, uh, we don't do well with it, we don't like it because it's hard. It goes against that natural flesh that wants our own way. But that natural flesh only leads us to destruction. And as we turn to Jesus, then we find hope and joy and fulfillment. We do appreciate the time you've given us this morning. Be part of your day. We appreciate it. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we continue to work through uh, the book of Jonah. Appreciate the time you've given us and we look forward to seeing you next time.